ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians chapter number five. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 25. When you arrive there, you can say amen. When I get one amen, I'll move forward, I promise. Amen. Are y'all okay this morning? Are y'all discouraged? Come on, lighten up. Amen. Husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, and of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. God of heaven and earth, we thank you that you are the founder and the one who established the family. And God, all of us, in one way or the other, have been influenced by the concept of family, whether in a positive way or in a negative way. And so, God, the idea and the concept of family, Lord, was originated by you. You have a plan. And, and Father, we are today going to dig into the treasures of your word, so that we can make sure that we stay, Father, uh, on track, that we find ourselves going back to the original intent that you had for the family. And so, God, we know that you are a healer. We refuse to believe that our God is limited in any way to heal, to deliver, and to make whole. So Jesus, I pray this morning that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that God, that as your people listen this morning, give them a listening ear. Father, let them not hear what I say, but let them hear what the Spirit is speaking through me, that every heart may be enriched, built up, encouraged, more knowledgeable, and wiser as a result of having come here this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Uh, you can be seated in our Lord's presence. Last week, we began a series of messages entitled All in the Family. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever seen the old sitcom All in the Family? Have you ever watched that? Uh, I, I, think, I think I need to say that that, that that is not the protocol or the way that we attend to do family. But I thought it was a very, very catchy subject because it happens to deal with all of the uh, issues surrounding, surrounding family. So I thought the title uh, helped capsulize um, everything related to family. And so we are going to be exploring uh, the family in every way. We're going to be looking at uh, relationships within the context of the family, husband and wife, and we're going to talk some about the children. And we're going to continue uh, that this morning by talking about the portrait of a godly husband. Now, I want you, first of all, if you're sitting here this morning and you are not married, uh, I want you to look at this message as somewhat of a barometer that will help you. And obviously, if you're sitting here today and you're a man and you are not married, then this will help you so that you can get yourself in line. Amen? So that you can be the kind of husband that you need to be. And it goes without saying that if you're sitting here and you are a husband this morning, whether you're here or you're listening uh, by uh, radio or internet, then I pray that you would have an open heart and an open ear because how many know that the nation needs leaders? We need good leaders in the family. And I'll talk to the men this morning because I want to start by making a statement that can be somewhat controversial, though I think it is, when you really look at it uh, in its totality, that I'm being uh, precise. But I think overall, whether it's in the church or outside the church, uh, husbands haven't been the best role models. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes from, uh, you know, how we have been, what we've been exposed to. Some of us grew up in situations where we saw what our father was like and how he treated his wife. And in some ways, and sadly say, that unless there's a revelation of mind, soul, and body, if you're not careful, you can find yourself reverting back to some of those old habits. And so I think that God wants to break the generational curses that have been passed down, amen, where fathers haven't been the kind of fathers that they need to be, and in this case, the kind of husbands that they need to be. And so we need to go back to the biblical model. We need to understand that God has a plan and that how men treat their wives means something to God. And I know for some women, and I know for some, uh, you know, who may be listening to this message and because men have been, we've, we've, we've abused our so-called authority. Uh, we have taken advantage of our ability to, supposed to lovingly lead our wives. Uh, we have been self-serving in a lot of cases. 
and we just plain drop the ball. And as a result, uh, women have developed their own independent way of thinking. And, and what I mean by that is when they hear the word submission, it's almost like it's a nightmare to them because submitting to what? <laughs> what do you want me to submit to? And so men over time, we have uh, even, I, I, I hate to say this, but I'm just going to be honest and, you know, just growing up in my own environment. And I, my mother, many of you know, she is uh, a very godly woman. She has always loved God. And, and I can remember my father, uh, he would oftentimes uh, use the scriptures in a very, very manipulative way uh, over my mom. He would say things like, uh, 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 woman, you're supposed to submit to me. Uh, never mind that he's been out in the street all day. Uh, never mind that he has neglected the responsibilities at home. Never mind that he was out doing things that I don't want to talk about in this sermon because I want to keep it G. Never mind all that. It was just, woman, you're supposed to submit. And so when women hear that whole concept of submit, and they understand what they have been exposed to, no wonder they say, I don't want to do that. No wonder they pull back. But here's the key. How many know that the word of God is the word of God, whether we obey it or we don't? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So just because somebody don't follow through or just because somebody don't honor the word of God as they should does not mean that we should throw the baby out with the bathwater and say the word of God don't work. How many know the Bible said heaven and earth will, will, will pass away, but my word will never pass away? God's word is true and will remain forever. How many believe that? And so even though there have been some poor examples, I firmly believe, I firmly believe this, that when the husband and the wife accurately and precisely apply the word as it was intended by God, then we will have beautiful marriages. A marriage where there will be perfect godly submission and, and, and godly leadership, and it blends together, and it represents Christ and his church. It's a beautiful thing. How do we know when marriage is done right, it is a beautiful thing? We established last week that marriage was, and it is a concept, that was created by God. So I want you to forget about for a moment, for the next few moments as we proceed in this message this morning. I want you to lay aside all your preconceived ideas. I want you to lay aside all of your negative interactions. If you've been a wife, <coughs> excuse me, and you found yourself in a situation where your husband was abusive, insensitive, he didn't nourish, he didn't care for you. I want you for a moment to put that all aside just for now, and I want you to stare into the word of God with purity. Can you do that with me this morning? Can you do that? Amen. Praying that the Holy Spirit will give us fresh eyes. I like to take pictures. Many of you know that that's one of my hobbies and and I love portraits. And we talk about portraits always tell 
a story. It gives details about something or somebody. So if God was to paint a portrait of a father, or in this case, of a husband, here's what that will look like. And I want you all to listen very, very carefully because we're going to come right from the word this morning. Amen. And if you're a lady this morning and you are single, you better listen up because you will have no excuse <laughs> but to find the right catch. Amen. Uh, amen. So the portraits of a godly husband. Number one, talk about the portraits of a godly husband. He loves God. He loves God. Now, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that like three or four times because I want you to get it. He loves God. He loves God. How many of you know that just because a man have a cross around his neck does not mean he loves God? Just because a man say, I love God, doesn't mean he really loves God. Well, you know, I, I, I know he, he told me he loved the Lord, really. But, but here's the question. Does he walk with God? I, I like this story of uh, when, when in Genesis, the Bible talk about Enoch. Everybody, you ever, you ever heard of Enoch? The, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, and he was, and he was not, because God snatched him up. God took him. See, a, a godly man, he loves God. That means he has a prayer life, amen? He has a devotional life, amen? That means he goes to church. Everybody say, church. He serves in his church. He seeks God every day of his life. How many know, husbands, you can't feed your wife until you feed yourself? You can't grow your wife and nourish her if you have nothing from which to draw. So a godly man first got to love God. So men, if you're sitting here this morning, you're married, Here's the question I have for you this morning. How that that relationship thing with God going? Where's the last time you spent time in his presence? Praying for your wife. Praying for your family. When's the last time you, old man of God, have sought God before you made a decision? When's the last time, man of God, you took the lead? And you model before your wife what it looks like to love God. So he loves God. He don't talk about how much he loves God. How I many know he have a lifestyle that'll back it up? He have a lifestyle that'll back it up. First John 2.16 says, he that loves God, keep his commandments. How I many know if you really love him, you'll walk with him? Ladies, challenge your husbands. <laughs> When they don't walk with God, call them out. And husbands, I mean, there's a scripture in the Bible that says iron sharpens iron. Yesterday we was at a men's, I took a couple of brothers with me, we went to a, a men's breakfast. And, and it's amazing being in an atmosphere where men can be together. 
and where we can iron sharpens iron and we can begin to, to look within ourselves and call, one, call each other up to a higher place. Make ourselves accountable. How many know godly men love to be accountable? I said godly men love to be accountable. Amen. Number two, <laughs> a godly man, he loves his wife. He loves his wife. I want you to look at something in verse number 25 in Ephesians chapter 5. Are you there? Say amen. Husbands, love your wives. Now, I want you to think about that there for a moment. Because it just came off of the heels of the Apostle Paul saying that the husband is the head of the wife. In other words, he is in charge, right? He's running things. Yeah. The husband, Paul just finished saying the husband, he's the head of the wife. So you would think that Paul would first say to the husbands, husbands, tell your wives what to do. Dictate to them. Make them submit. You often heard to me, you often heard, uh, heard me on many occasions say uh, uh, that I had a brother one time said to me, Pastor, that woman won't submit to me. And I said, I wouldn't submit to you either the way you act. Because his idea of submission is dictating. How do you know that's not God's way? He says, love your wife. Not dictate to her. Love. And then I, I'm thankful because he didn't leave it there. He gave us an example. Husbands, how are we to love our wives? Watch this. As Christ loves the church. See, all throughout this passage of Scripture, Christ is the goal. He is the example that we're to shoot after in order to understand what it really means to love our wives. Number one, Christ loved our wives. Christ loved the church sacrificially. How many know men that we need to love our wives sacrificially? That means that we got to sacrifice for what's more important to her in many cases than even for ourselves. In other words, we've got to put her interests even above our own. How many know that's sacrifice? Isn't that what Jesus did? I said, isn't that what Jesus did? He sacrificed, did he not? He died, he came here, he subjected himself to beatings. He subjected himself, though he was right. How many know Jesus was right all the time? But yet, he humbled himself even to the point of death. How many know he died for the church? How many know men ought to die for their wives? We ought to love sacrificially. I like the terminology that Paul uses. He says, uh, he speaks there about nourishing. See, when you nourish something, you give it the nutrients that it needs to grow. See, when you nourish something, you, you, you ensure that it is in an atmosphere to grow. How many gardeners in here? You like working in the front yard, you, you know. Uh, I, that's right. We got no gardeners in this room. Uh, we never do. I don't know why this church do not like to plant. Now, that's weird because you're a Christian. You should love planting, gardening, whatever. But that's another story. But, you know, when you put a plant out there, uh, 
You know, the, the, the interesting thing is, is that, that when you first uh, uh, put a plant in the ground, you got to get some, uh, some potty stuff to help the soil to get enriched. You got to water it. You got to put some nutrients in there. You got to get all kind of stuff. And, and you know, I, I got a Japanese maple in my front yard. When I first put that Japanese maple, how many of you seen that beautiful red? That thing is blood red. That's a beautiful tree. I planted it as a little as a little tree. When I first got that tree, I spent a lot of days nourishing that tree. I would water it. You know, I would, I would get some potty mix to make sure that some stuff that had all the nutrients. And so every day I just, I just nourished that thing. And today that thing is nice and strong. Men, perhaps if your wife is not doing healthy, here's the question. If she's not healthy, have you nourished her? Instead of pointing out the faults in her, how do we know we're supposed to nourish her? And I like the other word it uses, cherish. Everybody say cherish. That means to keep and cultivate her with care, watch this, and affection. So when a man loves his wife, he loves her sacrificially. He nourishes her. He makes sure that the atmosphere is conducive for her to grow in the things of God. How many know this takes a man who is involved with his wife? It takes a man who's willing to put in the time. Amen? So our example is that just like Christ does the church, men, this is how we need to nourish and love our wife. How many know men, that's a high calling? Come on, brothers, help me out. Is that a high calling or what? But you can do it, amen, because you're called to it. And we're going to do it, amen? amen. Number three, he leads by serving. <laughs> Look at Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, if you will. <clears throat> but Jesus called to himself, and he said, here's what Jesus said. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are gr great exercise authority over them. <laughs> Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, watch this, and to give his life a ransom for many. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How many know Jesus was a servant? Jesus was amazing. He was such an amazing leader. Amen? Jesus motivated people. How many know that the picture that we see of Jesus leading, you never see him bossing people around. You ever, you ever notice when people who get a little bit of authority, who don't know how to handle it, as soon as they get it, you know, they want to let you know they got it. You know, I'm in charge. You know, and, 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 they, and they start just barking orders. 
but they won't lay one finger to help because in their mind, and Jesus said that Jesus said, see, the Gentiles or unbelievers, they exercise authority. When they get authority, they exercise it. They demonstrate. He said, but you who desire to be great, how many here want to be great? You better raise your hand, every one of you. Greatness in the kingdom is about serving. It's about giving of yourself. It's about giving of your life. I mean, if, well, I, you know, people, well, I, I want God's called me to, to, to ministry. He's called me to be the preacher. He's called, then the first thing I say is, let's start serving. And usually you see, well, that, that, I ain't supposed to do that. Then you don't understand the concept of leading. Leaders serve. Men, let me, let, me, let, me, let me help you with this. You are a servant. Your wife is not your little slave. Help me. She's not your slave. Listen to me. You are to serve her, and that's how you lead. When Jesus led, you know, Jesus didn't walk around there saying, do this, do that. He didn't just sit. Can you see Jesus just kind of sitting there? And he just kind of sitting there. He says, April, get up and go there and get me a Coke. You know? Get over there, woman, and get me, a, get me that remote control. Nah, nah, nah. You just see Jesus. Jesus always was the first one. Whenever he says, he stepped out. And he led. And he said, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Watch me. Follow me. He was a perfect example of what godly leadership is. But, but look, look with me, look with me uh, for a moment. Turn to John chapter 13, the Gospel of John. Look at this verse. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> John chapter 13. I love this verse. John chapter 13. When you get there, say amen. Are you there, John chapter 13? All right. Now, before the feast at the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, I want you to catch the mindset, the mindset of Jesus. Jesus, you know, you know what it's like that when somebody get a revelation that they're going to be in charge? The Jesus, they just start, the, the image that they have is, man, I get to tell people what to do, right? I get to give some orders. But Jesus knew everything is mine. How many know you're the king? When everything is yours, you're bad. <laughs> Watch this. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Watch this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. In other words, Jesus knew, I got it all. And that he had come from God and was going back to God. At that very moment, and not until, he rose up from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basement, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. I want you to see the picture there, man. First lady, can you come sit right here? First lady. I know first lady. See, see I know my wife because 
I wanted to get some water in here, but I knew with a, she got to have a water at certain temperatures. She'd go crazy. God, I was going to wash some feet for y'all this morning. But, but you know, it's interesting because, because you see, see, this really right here, this is leadership. I want you to see the picture. This is leadership. And Jesus, knowing, and let's say for you, brothers, know that you're the man who's in charge. You know God called you to be the leader. Oh, yeah, God called you to be the leader. But knowing all that, here's what you're supposed to do. Get down on your knees and wash her feet. That tickles, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. See? Wash her feet. Now, understand something. In those days, hear this. The only people to wash feet was the servants. See, the, 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 the folks who was in charge, they don't wash feet. No, no, they get somebody else. Oh, you, you, you. When you come to my house with them dirty feet, you, you, get over here, wash. No, 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 no. The chief, Jesus said, I'm your chief. You call me master and Lord. Yeah, I am. If, if I'm your master and Lord, do what I do. Jesus got down, knowing that everything was given to him, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Men, how many know that if we have the attitude like that, I would surmise to say 99% of your days will be good days. Amen. Amen. Is that right? Amen. She said, my friend said, amen, and she always get me on that. So. But, but we wash our feet. So when things get really, really hard, when, when, it, when, it, when it looks like that our wives are under attack, here's what we do. Instead of barking, Instead of yelling, instead of making complaints, let's just get that towel in that basement and start washing. I want you to understand something. The leadership, whether it is, thank you, give first lady a hand. Thank you so much. She didn't know I was going to do that. But. So y'all pray for passing. My wife is funny. She is funny. And uh, well, it's going to be a good day. Amen. 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 But I want you to understand the concept. Leadership is serving. It's not barking orders, men. She doesn't, she doesn't listen to me. Next week, we'll talk about, we'll talk to you, the wives. So the wives, you want to be here next week, and we're going to talk, we're going to, talk to you. We're going to have a conversation. But how many know that when a wife submits, when we love like we love, they equalize, it, it equalizes things to, to, to nobody is selfish and everybody is looking out for the next person. Amen? So we submit to one another. Number five, number four. I only got a couple of years and I got to run. I only got 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Okay, here we go. He provides her welfare, for her welfare and her security. He provides. 1 Timothy 5a says, but if any man does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, it's not to say that women cannot participate and they cannot work and provide for the home. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. 
not saying that they shouldn't contribute, not even saying that your wife can't make more money than you. But what it does say is that ultimately, everybody say ultimately. It is our responsibility as men to provide for our families. Do you hear me? It is our responsibility. My wife would tell you, I, I, when, the minute she get to work, I said, babe, don't you worry unless I worry. I said, yeah, that, you don't need to worry about that. That's my thing. Whenever there was an issue, I, I'll be like, I protect my wife. I let her know, you don't have to, I'm going to fix this. Why? Because it's my responsibility. Ultimately. See, he provides for her. Not only does he provide for her, but he fights for her. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. You remember when, 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 when Nehemiah was under attack when they were trying to build that wall. Y'all remember that? In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, Nehemiah said these words, and I think it's applicable right here. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. We got too many men that quit today. We need men that will stand up and fight. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I understand, but get up and fight. How many of you know that when David, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, I don't have time to turn there, but in 1 Samuel chapter 30, uh, verses 17 through 19, David had lost everything. And David could have been like everybody else. He could have stood there and cried and licked his wounds and said, okay, it's over. I'm just going to let it go. No, David said, God, he sought the Lord. And he says, Lord, I'm going. And God said, boy, you go. You're going to recover everything. How I many know David went and cut off some heads, but he got everything back? How I many know, men, you got to fight for your family? Do we got any fighting men in the house today Amen. who will fight? I mean, fight for your wife. Fight for her. Protect her. Fight for your family. When the enemy comes, let me know he's coming. You got the man up. Brothers, look at a brother beside you and tell him, man up. Uh, uh, wives and ladies, find some dude and look at him and say, man up. Man up. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Man up. We got to fight. Because, you see, I see this thing today where, 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 where see, see, men, it is our responsibility, right? I mean, we're the ones who promised mom and dad, I'm going to take her, I'm going to take care of her, I'm going to watch over her. Then why you want to quit when it gets hard? Why you want to give up? No, 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 honey, honey, no, no, no. no we're gonna, I'm going to fight. I'm going to do everything that I need to do. Why? Because I have been ordained by God. You are mine, you are my wife, and I'm going to protect you. How many know Christ protects his church? Christ loves his church. He watches over you. How many know we need to watch over our family? And I don't care how hard it gets. How many know sometimes life gets hard? Sometimes you're thrown some circumstances in life. But you know what? Ain't but one thing you do in life. Either going to quit and cry or you're going to get up and fight. I just choose. I just say, why not? If I'm going to go down, I've always had this attitude. You know, if I go down, I'm going to go down swinging. I, I, how, many, how many of you with me? Men? Are you with me? Say amen. I, I'm going to go. If, I'm, if I got to go, 
If, if you tell me, Pastor, you got to go, I'm fighting you as I go down. I'm going to get me a lick in. See, when I was I didn't lose, I didn't lose too many fights. But every now and then I lost a couple when I was in the fourth grade. I fought a lot when I was young. And, uh, but, you know, uh, it was a couple times I got my butt whipped. But I'm going to tell you something. That brother knew he was in a fight. Because I was like, man, when the fight was over and, and they held everybody back, and as and, and soon as I got close to him again, I'll hit him again. I'm going to get my lick in. I'm not going down without a fight. We need men who will fight for their families. I mean, we can sit there and get on the football field and rip somebody's head off. Can we, can we not? Man, we'll get men to get in a boxing ring, and boy, we're not. But then as soon as they get a little bit hard in the house, oh, we want to quit. We want to lay down. It's too hard. Come on, men, God, we got to fight for our families. Let's be fighters, amen? amen? Number five, men of God, a portrait of a man of God, he's faithful. How many know godly men don't cheat on their wives? Godly men don't even flirt. Mm. Godly men, watch this, 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says this, no hint of evil, abstain from the appearance of evil. So a godly man is a man who is faithful. And, and, and that all that should come out of your, listen, all that should come out of you and your relationship with your wife, it should be nothing but security. She ain't sitting back wondering what you're doing and who you're doing it with. If she got to wonder about what you're doing and who you're doing it with, something, you got to do some homework. You need to do something or stop doing something. How many know? They were called to holiness, amen? amen? And godly men, we abstain. Number six, he is a person of integrity. Psalm 25, 21 says this, let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. How many know that, that integrity and truth and uprightness is like a shield? But you know how the devil does, man? He just, just, just lie, just lie, you know, tell, tell, you know. And how many know that Satan is the father of lies? And any time, how many know a marriage that is built on lies is going to have a hard time surviving? Do you hear me? We have to be people of truth. We tell the truth. We exemplify the truth. How many know men? How many, how many men right now, got, if you've got an iPhone or PDA, or I hate to say this, or Google or whatever it is, hold it up for me. Samsung, hold it up, hold it up, man, hold it up. Every man in here, hold up your phone. Hold it up. I see y'all back there. Hold it up. Now, 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 you married brothers. Now, you married brothers. If you got one of these, your wife should know your password. I was laughing the other day because my wife, she'd come in every now and then, she'd pick up my phone, she just go through every one of my texts. And you know what I'm sitting there? I ain't sitting there like, <laughs> no, no, you know why? Because it's an open book. How I many know when you, you ain't got nothing to hide, you walking in truth? Honey, look at this thing. You can visit my browser, you can vi look at all my email, look at it all. I don't care. How I many know that's security? But when you, when you, you start saying, honey, well, wait a minute, you just can't be picking up, you got, you got your stuff on lockdown, what you locking down? 
Come on. Come on. See, a person of integrity, you got nothing to hide. You are who you are. You are an open book. I, you know, one time a lady came running to me. I was getting ready to preach. She right before service. That's it, Pastor. That's it. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's wrong? I, I just read. I just read it. I just read the email. I mean, yeah, I'm done with them. Look, he had spent so much time hiding, and she found a way to jailbreak it, and she got in there. But how many know the people of God ought not be that way? Amen. Be open. Be honest. Be a person of integrity. Amen. We only got two more left. Number seven. He seeks to understand her needs. Look at 1 Peter chapter number 3. Run real quick, 1 Peter chapter 3. I keep saying run, but you know, I never hear pages, so I don't know if y'all are going or not. I'm just trusting by faith that y'all are. Oh, y'all looking at the screen, aren't you? Y'all are cheating again. Okay. Look at it. It says, yeah, that's right. It says, number, uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise. Dwell with them, watch this, with understanding. Watch, I'm going to stop right there. Dwell with them with understanding. How many know, man, if you're married, <laughs> it takes a lifetime to try to understand that woman. Amen. Come on, but I, but I got a quick amen off of that. I mean, it, I mean, and for the brothers that want to fool around and be, I don't know what you're thinking about. It takes a lot of work. I've been married to my wife. This would be our 24th, right, 24th year. Come on, help me first. Lady. Don't leave me out here like this. Help me. In July, it'd be 24. I'm all right about. <coughs> 23. All right, 23. Hallelujah. But I don't forget my date, so y'all laugh. But I know my anniversary date is July 28, 1991. I know that much. So why y'all want to laugh at me? I got this. Okay, so. For all the years, there's still a lot I'm still learning about my wife. Still a lot. But, 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 but Peter says, dwell with them according to understanding. What that means is you can't have a knee-jerk reaction to everything. How many know the men you got to learn to look below, look below the surface? How many know the women are complex? Y'all wives, y'all ought to know that. You, all, you know you're complex. I know y'all say about us we're crazy, but you all are complex. And so he said, dwell with them, with understanding. In other words, get to know her, understand her, talk with her, figure out if she's upset, why is she upset? Don't just say, well, I don't know what your problem is. You need to get over it. <laughs> no, no, we ain't going to get over it. See, my wife is slick because, you know, whenever we have a conversation, because we'll, we'll stay up to 4 or 5 in the morning. I ain't going to bed. We're going to fix this. And we'll talk, we'll do whatever, am I right about it, first lady? We'll do whatever we got to do. I said, we're going to be together, we're going to be happy, ain't that right, first lady? She wasn't here last week. But we'll have some conversation, we'll talk. Why? Because I want to understand. Because how many know that if we understand our wives, the more we understand about our wives, the better we can minister to what to their needs are. If I understand what she thinks, what she likes, what she don't like, the more I can be successful in my ability to nourish, to cherish, to treasure her and help her and to raise her up. Amen. Oh, so you, get, you guys are doing great. So he seeks to understand her. But then it goes further. 
Here's the next one. Number eight. He gives honor to the wife who is the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers would be not hindered. Brothers, here's the key. You treat your wife wrong, you can get up off your knees. How many know your prayers, men, if you don't know it, well, listen to it. He said, give honor to her. You know, you, know, you know what honor means. You see, honor is this idea of just lifting her up, promoting the good. How I many know if you're a man of God in here, you should never, ever, I don't care what your wife's faults are, but you never, ever talk negative about your wife. I said never. Even if she made you mad on the way to church, don't slam your wife. Why? Because she is a part of you. You love her as you love yourself. Amen? So, so when I honor her, how I many know I treat her with respect? Inside the house and outside the house. I honor her. I don't dishonor her. I don't go before the other guys and other people and, and, and drag your wife's faults out. How I many know that's not nourishing and cherishing? How I many know Christ covers us, amen? Aren't you glad that God don't display everything you committed this past week? What if God were to display and tell everybody every thought you had this week? What if your head was a big, high-definition TV screen and it revealed every thought in your brain? I said before, I said again, many of us be walking down with our head held down. Good morning, how you doing? And with a hat on. That's right. Because the grace of God does what? He covers. I mean, men, we are, we're called to cover our wives. Cover them. Speak well of them. Honor them. How many know that if you treat your wife disrespectful, chances are other people will do the same? Do you hear me? But if you promote her as the jewel that she is, you demand respect from everybody else when you talk to my wife. Because she's precious, amen? amen. And every man, you ought to know your wife is precious. And she's a jewel. Amen. Well, Pastor, you don't know my wife. I, I, I'm not married to her. You are. You know her, so honor her. Or why do I need to honor her? Because the Bible says so. And that should be good enough. Ain't I, am I right about it? I just want to be, how many want to be obedient? Number nine, here's the last one. He provides spiritual leadership in the home. I love this verse. This is an incredible verse. I don't think I gave it to the media department, but I want to quoted to you, write this verse down, Genesis 18, 19. I don't think I gave that to you. That one came late in the night, sorry. Genesis 18, 19. For some of you who have a phone or whatever, PDA, turn there real quick. I love this verse. How many know that God, Abraham walked with God? And Abraham is considered the father of our faith. But you know, there was some stuff about Abraham that God could trust him. God said, for, look at verse, Genesis 18, 19. It says this. For I know him. For I have known him. This is God talking. 
in order that he may command his children and his household after him. So you can't command your children to do what you're not doing yourself. The scripture says after him. You get that, man? After him. Watch this. After him. In order that he may command his children and his household after him. That he, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. How many know, men, your blessing is tied to your obedience to walk with God and to command your whole house to get in line? Now, now, here's the thing. Well, pastor, how do I command my whole house to get in line? Lead. Lead. It's not about barking orders. God says, Abraham, he said, I know one thing. He said, I can trust Abraham because I know that Abraham is going to command his whole household. How many know the men need to be leaders in their homes? Amen. Well, you know what? Daddy, daddy, that's, that's a problem. Well, well, you know what? Go take it to your mama. Well, what's wrong with you? Well, daddy, daddy, I need, I need help. I don't know. Well, well, you know what? Well, just to go tell mommy about it. How many know that's not leadership? Leadership is that you step up. Doesn't mean you have to do everything, but it means, watch this, that you set the tone. Oh, come on, men of God, step up. Get up out of that bed every morning. Make sure. How many know that on Sunday morning, men, you ought to be the first one to getting up? You know, the Bible says that, uh, what's, his, what's the brother name? Job. Job will rise up early every day, pray for his family. How I many of men, you got, if you're going to be a leader, you got to rise, you should be the first one up. I, I mean, I will be embarrassed if my wife had to come and wake me up and tell me, honey, get out of the bed, time to go to church. Honey, get up! I would be, no, 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 no. How many know that we ought to be people, watch this, we ought to be people that lead the way, men of God that take the leadership in the home. Remember I said earlier that you got to feed yourself before you can feed your family or feed your wife? That you, you need to be the one. You know what? You need to be the one involved, setting direction in the house, leading, stepping out front. Everybody, it's time to go. Let's go into the house of God today. Let's do whatever. How many know men need to lead and we need to stop defaulting and stop shucking our responsibility and men need to step up and be men. Amen about it. You need to step up and be men. And stop making excuses. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I'm just, I'm tired. I had a rough work week. Yeah, but you got married. And you have some little kids. I almost said something else. You got kids. So how many know you got responsibility? Too late now. Well, I wish. Oh, too late now. You got it. Well, you know, I should have never got married. Too late now. <laughs> That's why you better take your time. Take baby steps when it comes to marriage. I mean, slow it down. I mean, like real slow. Let them go through a full background check by 10 different agencies. Because everything ain't what it always cracked up to be. But we need to be men that will step up and take the lead. Amen? 
Ephesians 5.23 says, for the husband is the head of the wife. You're the head of the wife. You're the head. But you understand now what the head means. Being the head requires great responsibility. So you're sitting here this morning, let's just say that you're listening to all of this and you say, Pastor, I, I, I got a couple of things I got to deal with. I want you to do this. I want you to first be honest with yourself. Have me know that if the Lord dialed your number, ain't but one thing to do, right? What do you do when the Lord dialed your number? Answer the phone. Don't just let the phone ring and act like it's going to go away. Because Lord, will keep, he'll keep calling for a little while anyway. So if your bell got rung this morning, ain't but one thing you do. You know what? Don't, don't put up, don't, listen, don't put up a little shield and say, well, just say, you know what? I'm going to do better. God, first of all, first of all, we need to confess to your wife. If you have not been a responsible, good husband, and you don't have to do this here, for those who are here, for those who are listening by radio, internet, or whatever the case might be, by tape, here's what I want you to do. Confess. If you've been less than a good husband, I didn't say perfect. Nobody has reached perfection, amen? I stand before you today, I'm not perfect. But that don't mean that that's not what we shoot for. You hear me? And that is not an excuse to be better than where we are. So we need to confess that. We need to repent. We need to go to our wives and say, you know, honey, I'm going to be a better husband. And, you know, and not, not just say it, but, but I want to encourage you to tell her how you intend on being a better husband. You know, a lot of times that you hear all of what you just heard this morning, and then within a few hours, you'll just forget it, and you'll go back. But I think that God may be saying, let's have a conversation about this. You may know a family or a friend or somebody that is struggling in a marriage situation, a husband that is not stepping up to the plate. Make sure they get a copy of this CD. Take it to them. Bless them. Gift them. Amen? Gift them with the word of God. In other words, we have to hold one another accountable. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed this morning. God, I thank you this morning um, that your word is. Your word is and will always be true. God, you've given us clear instruction. You've given us wisdom, God, on how to be better fathers, how to lead better and love our wives as you love the church. God, many of us who are men here this morning, we're thinking to ourselves. We're meditating about ourselves. And I pray, God, that you would show every man in this room the areas that you want him to improve. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring conviction, not for the sake of condemnation, but bring conviction so that there might be healing. God, please, help all of us, Lord, to be better husbands to our wives. And Lord, give us the strength in those moments when we're tired and we don't feel like it. 
those moments, Lord God, when it's so easy just to disconnect. God, I pray that you would give us the grace to hang in there and love them through it.